0: What does it mean to stay good when being good means being disassociated from your body? What does it mean to learn to wrap ourselves up in our own bodies, to recognize the inner yes? These are some of the questions that Jenny and I talk about in this episode of Belonging to the Wild. Jenny Wade is a licensed mental health counselor and yoga teacher based in Seattle, Washington. After years of working as a primary therapist at OPAL Food and Body Wisdom, she started her business Haven Yoga, where she helps women connect to their inner vitality. She sees individual clients, leads somatic and healing workshops and retreats, and offers supervision to therapists and training. She's a wonderful embraced soul, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Jenny, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Lanya. I'm, I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: I'm so glad you're here. And as you know, we're doing a short series on leaving the obedient life or moving beyond obedience in our lives. And um, so often... So many of us get to a place where we realize that the maps that we've been given, the directions that we've been handed uh, for our lives, aren't taking us to the lives that we actually feel emerging from our center, right? They're taking us to the lives that that feel the truest. And um, yeah, so we're exploring that here. And Wondering about the great shoulds in our lives, and and the ways that we've transgressed those shoulds, and um, how we live now. So I'm just so glad to have you here and to hear your voice in this conversation.
1: Yeah, it's such like you've been such a huge teacher for me in getting really clear on my shoulds and overcoming them. So to be having this conversation with you feels very full circle.
0: Oh, wonderful. yeah. so will you tell us, uh, you know, what the great shoulds have been in your life, what they were like when you what they were when you were younger or a little one and and even the ones you face now, I'd just love to hear what that means for you, specifically what what were the and are the shoulds?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in the evangelical church. And my big should that I will battle for the rest of my life is to be good within the bounds of the evangelical church. And in that culture, being a good girl meant uh, to be submissive, to not be sexual, In any way to not drink to not do drugs to not party I remember having this moment with my mom where I was I was just so dedicated to being good and I pulled her aside I think I was like a freshman in high school and I was Uh like mom just you know I will not ever have sex before I'm married Uh I will never drink before I'm 21 I will never do drugs I am committed to being good Uh and I had so much of my identity wrapped up in being good uh, that in a creative writing class that I took when I was a senior in high school, my teacher asked us to title our autobiography And he wanted us to come up with like 10 titles. And I remember sitting there and the only title I could think of was The Good Girl. And then I just sat there with a blank piece of paper and not being able to come up with any other titles because I didn't know anything else about myself.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. And so much of being good in that world was not participating in sensual life Hmm. so I could dance but not sensually
0: Uh uh-huh so where would you dance like what is that what did that look like
1: well I danced in there was like a church it was actually really sweet there was like a little like church dance troupe that I did when I was young and it was it was lovely but that was when I was like a kid and then as I went as I grew up into my teenagehood, I was dancing at a studio, I was dancing still at my church, but it was like <laughs> it was like a mission assignment yeah. to not <laughs> use my hips uh. while I was dancing. <laughs> yeah. I adapted dance so that I was divorcing myself of any sexuality to have breasts or belly or hips was just not an option and so I was dancing but so dissociated yeah going through the motions but not actually inhabiting my body at all
0: would you say that being a good girl meant not really having a body
1: absolutely yeah yeah I couldn't show my body or enjoy my body or allow others to enjoy my body. And I did it so well. I divorced yeah. myself from my body so well. And I was so proud of it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It was just the pinnacle of being. And I like I just stood on the shining mountain of bodilessness for yeah. my whole community to rejoice. Yeah. And I And they did like everyone around me, like powerful leaders would just beam in my direction because I was doing it so beautifully. I was so perfectly dissociated for them. I made them feel so, so comfortable in their expectations of who I was and It's been one of the great heartbreaks of my life to feel that approval go away. Yeah. Because I love approval and validation, don't we all? That's right. And I didn't even realize how much of a force was sort of like pushing me from behind. It was almost like I have this image of hundreds of people, you know, like beaming light in my direction. And then as I've chosen to... You know, wrap myself up in my body I've I feel those light beams turn away from me yeah and it really really impacts how I feel in my day-to-day
0: yeah I can feel
1: that loss of approval I was um, gonna- so the, the cost of obedience
0: has just been really high yeah which i want to hear more about i i I was going to ask you about just that and that image of you pulling your mom inside and, and saying you know i i'm i am the good girl and wondering what the response was which you just answered so powerfully it sounds like the response was a resounding yes we bless you in this way as long as you're a good girl And what that meant for that particular community. Yeah. And you said you've, that this is the should you'll, you'll battle with forever. Even now you feel still this pull to be a good girl. Well, I am a
1: three on the Enneagram. Uh And so (laughs) performance is just a part of who I am. And even if I don't want to perform in the way that someone expects me to perform, I feel that really strong pull to give people what they want from me. Mm-hmm. And I love myself now so mm-hmm. much more than I love the stage that other people put me on that yeah. I just can't help but choose myself. Yeah. But I imagine that even when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to feel that like hook in my gut that just like craves being adored by every single face and yeah. mourns not being able to give everyone yeah. a version of me that they like.
0: Is there, um, you know, sometimes in this conversation around the knowing life, we talk about how easy it is to replace an ideal with another ideal,
1: you know, Uh, and I'm
0: wondering, so for example, if the ideal was to be submissive and quiet, and we realize at some point that that's not the only way we want to be, that we can replace that ideal with, now I'm going to always say everything that's on my mind as publicly and loudly as possible, right, that that can become the next ideal. In other words, we just replace our paradigm of obedience and as you're talking about that desire to perform what people want from you it just made me curious about right now in your life what does that look like what's the primary performance that you feel the world wants from you that maybe doesn't always align with um who you are right now that's such a good question or maybe it know. does align you know but just that 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 <clears throat> ideal that you feel the pull to fulfill right now as and yet where you're at now
1: i definitely resonate with uh the pull to go the opposite direction and to uh embrace loud rebellion mm-hmm. um, And I'm actually I have a really hard time trying to know if my loud rebellion is performance or not. I think because my disposition is like so wrapped up in performance that it sometimes it feels really authentic to perform. Yeah. And in this phase of my life, it feels really congruent to let people, like, know my identities Mm -hmm. that often, like, make people feel uncomfortable.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I make a point in my groups and in my social media to let people know that I'm pagan and I'm bisexual and I'm queer. And those are big words that make people feel lots of feelings <laughs> and they're identities that are important to me because they've been, um, revealed to me through, like, a lot of digging into myself and a lot of, like, truth-telling. And I believe in telling the truth.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that it heals us to hear each other tell the truth. But I'm so shaky Mm. telling the truth of who I am still, even though I want to share it because I have found so much freedom in those identities. I also feel the, the weight of judgment, even like the weight of judgment of my Mm -hmm. past selves.
0: Uh
1: That chime in when I'm honest about who I am right now in this phase of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: So, uh, that's like, one way that um, my tendency to perform can show up and and i'm I'm open to that being um, performative in a distorted way. But I also I just love being on stage mm-hmm. and teaching my yoga classes uh-huh. is a way for me to be a spiritual leader in the way I'm meant to be Mm. like when I was in the church I loved the idea of being like the women's bible study leader Uh (laughs) (laughs) and I always like I always led younger girls in bible studies like ever since I was like 13 I would like gather the 11 year olds together and be like let's do
0: a bible study yeah same (laughs) thing
1: So now, uh, that I have like different powerful ways of, um, tapping into spiritual expression, I get to do that in my yoga classes and hold big space. Mm -hmm. And that feels, um, just like I'm breathing my deepest breaths when I'm on that little stage in the yoga studio mm-hmm. teaching about the body and breath and the heart and the intersection of all of those realms um yeah Beautiful. I love teaching people how to get free
0: yeah yeah well you're really good at it Thanks. Yeah. Um, So you talked about, it sounds like one of the great transgressions away from the good girl for you has been, the phrase you used, I think was wrapping your body or wrapping yourself up in your body um, or returning to the body. Yeah. and I'm wondering what that looked like for you. You know, you mentioned the loss that came with that. But what did the transgressions, the stepping beyond the bounds of those shoulds look like for you? How did that start for you? I
1: always loved yoga. From the first yoga class I took in the basement of the YMCA in Minnetonka, Minnesota, I <laughs> uh, because it was my first experience of being in my body with no expectation. Mm -hmm. And even though dance always helped me feel free, I wasn't very good at it. I was always messing up the choreography. I was never doing the techniques right. And so I was feeling constant shame in a lot of my dance classes because I wasn't living up to the expectation. And So I was always drawn to yoga and was really curious about it. I started exploring it really deeply when I was a freshman at Wheaton College. And there was Uh this amazing yoga teacher who was a mass. She was in her master's of divinity at Wheaton teaching yoga, but it wasn't yoga. It was called breathing and stretching.
0: Right. I'm sure it couldn't be called yoga in that environment. What? Not at
1: Wheaton. I said not at Wheaton College with the funding coming from the people it comes from. Mm -hmm. But I started to learn yoga there and felt more peace and connection to God than I had ever accessed anywhere before. It was the kindest place on campus. And when I graduated from college, I just had this fantasy of like, I knew I was going to grad school for psychology. And I thought it would be really cool to be a yoga teacher while I'm studying to be a therapist. And so really with without very much Experience even practicing yoga very much. I started a two hundred hour teacher training, and I'm glad that I did. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that I foolishly jumped headfirst into this world. Um, and I had this experience during the training where we did an Om circle, and it was forty people chanting Om together for. 15 or 20 minutes. Wow. Uh, Not all at once, everyone in their own rhythm and the powerful vibration that we cultivated in that room together gave me the same experience that I had had at worship services Mm -hmm. in church. That inner glow, that, huge felt sense of the presence of the divine and like inner tingle and knowing of I'm not alone here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was the first time I'd ever had that feeling outside of a Christian context. Uh And that opened me to realizing that, Oh God exists outside of the walls of my church.
0: Yeah.
1: And it made me excited in a way that like Christianity, I, you know, I felt really, really bound to Christianity because of all the expectations around me, mm-hmm. but I truly never really wanted to be there.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I was forcing myself to be there. And, This world of yoga helped me discover a way of like moving and breathing and feeling that just felt like me in the strongest sense of the word that I had ever experienced. My me-ness was so vivid in yoga spaces that I couldn't look away. I just kept being drawn back over and over again.
0: Yeah, I'm so struck too by how you said you you had never experienced that sense of the numinous or that glowing outside of the context of of the religion, and once you discovered that, your curiosity sounds like it just grew and grew and grew, and it reminds me of this 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 truth that in fundamentalist ideologies, whether it's religious or any other place where we have an attitude where there's only one way um, to be uh, good enough, successful, loved, have belonging, be saved, whatever it might be, right? That that fundamentalist attitude is that um, that that way of approaching anything. That part of that paradigm is is a, a foundational lie that says to us, if you leave these this boundary of this one way of being there's going to be nothing, there's going to be wasteland, there's going to be no belonging, no community, no meaning, no numinosity. And so I'm really struck by this moment where, if I'm hearing you correctly, you uh, sort of looked behind the curtain, right? You you experienced that kind of meaning and belonging and numinosity outside of the boundaries of where you should have and mm-hmm. so now everything comes into question, right? And, and it's just a good reminder because sometimes that lie can keep us in two small places because we're afraid, because we don't want to live in a wasteland with no belonging and no meaning. And that's not, and that but to remember that that's a lie that comes with fundamentalism in whatever way that it shows up. And that sometimes we get to taste that um, in a preview sort of way, the way you did it. Sometimes we walk through the wasteland for a long time, but to remember that um, that idea that there's just that one way of being, and, and outside of here there will be nothing, is 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 to be questioned and challenged. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was so bought into the one way. Mm-hmm. And I have been so, I've moved through so much anger that that isn't true because I wanted it to be true. Mm. I it, I, there's a part of me that still wants it to be true. Yeah. Weirdly.
0: Can you say more about that?
1: <laughs> because I have I have deep love and alliance with Christianity. Yeah. I have I've just experienced so much blessing, so much love from that community. And I feel so grateful for the ways that the people I found within a Christian context loved me and grew me up. Uh-huh. I wanted to like remain loyal for my whole life to that world because I loved it and I loved those people yeah and so are these i've had go ahead i've just i've had these moments of of feeling anger towards god of feeling like why are you drawing me away i don't Mm. want to be drawn away i'm content here (laughs) but the the glimmers of aliveness have have not been within the walls of church and i have to follow god I like that's I was taught that from such a young age to mm-hmm. follow the love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember having a, a a similar moment when I was in college. I was um, visiting Colorado, and I was up in the mountains, and it was a beautiful, clear night. I had the visceral knowing that. I wanted to follow God even if God took me away from the God that I had known. In other words, that I was going to follow the truth as I experienced it more than I was going to follow Christianity or the shoulds in my life. And that was at that time just almost an unthinkable thought because I was a really good girl too, and I really liked being a good girl and I really liked being in that environment and so to have that moment to think this forbidden thought this forbidden thought that whatever we call God is so much it's so vast and it's so so mysterious and that I wanted to follow God more than I wanted to be a Christian or do the right thing that I was supposed to do and what a forbidden thought that was yeah Right.
1: It's so brave of us to yeah. give those thoughts space in our life, because those thoughts do come with a cost.
0: Yeah. So you talked about that, you know. So you you found yoga and eventually um, new ways. I and mean, you mentioned you're a pagan, a fellow pagan, and you mentioned mm-hmm. you know finding these new ways of of being in the world. And with that came um, loss. Yeah. Do you remember when you first realized, oh, this the sacrifice is real. It yeah. This doesn't come for nothing. Uh-huh. Do you remember when you first felt that? When you transgressed out of the shoulds?
1: Yeah. That moment for me came in a moment with my mother and sister-in-law, who I adore and am really close with, and my sister-in-law was having a hard time, and I was listening to her, and me and my mother-in-law were just being with her, and as we were about to, like, get out of the car, I asked if I could pray for her,
0: uh-huh.
1: and she said no. mm and I I just, it broke something in me. It broke a well open and I just lost it. Yeah. I just started sobbing. I left the car. I walked into this neighborhood that I didn't know and I just walked and walked and walked and then sat down on a curb and I just wailed. Because I, I'm a good prayer. I'm I'm good at blessing. And this person that loves me no longer wanted to receive my blessing. And if this person that adores me didn't want to receive my blessing, well, the world is going to be really, really hesitant to receive my blessing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I hate the idea that I'm not palatable to people. Right. I really want to be audible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want there to be any obstacles to overcome and loving me. <laughs> and all of a sudden there are quite a few obstacles. And that's, that was a moment where I was just like, okay, so it begins. Mm-hmm. And, and that's continued to be true. There's been a lot yeah. of turning away from me that yeah. I've had to endure. And it's, it's continued to be painful. I've had to continue to grieve losing the privilege that I didn't really realize I had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, this idea of sacrifice is so important to talk about on, in this conversation um, because sometimes the message can be now that we can be our authentic selves and, and sometimes the, the truth that it's weighty, that sovereignty is weighty, that, that it comes with sacrifice, that that truth can become either erased or watered down, right? And, and that we also begin to name and get better at naming the sacrifices that come with disobedience and the sacrifice that come with obedience, Right. What I've heard you say, too, is when you were a good girl, you sacrificed being in your body. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's no small thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're so well trained in naming the sacrifices that come when we, quote unquote, rock the boat or disrupt the status quo and how the, the parents or the partner, or the dogs or the, you know, everyone that will be disrupted. We're good at that because it helps us stay good but to really become overt about naming the sacrifices that come with obedience even when it's in conflict with our knowing and our nature and our wildness mm-hmm. right yeah i
1: i could not afford what it costed to stay as vacant as my old world wanted me to be. Yeah. And again, like a part of me wishes I could. Yeah. But my like taste for aliveness <laughs> is just so uh, I don't I don't know how to say it. My taste for aliveness is insatiable now. Mm. I can't not be lit from within
0: uh-huh.
1: have to be yeah beautiful. and so i i just will endure whatever shame and distrust is thrown at me because the that sacrifice is not worse than the sacrifice of deadness mm-hmm. i'm very sure about that
0: beautiful yes so for you now, Jenny, you know when we talk about the knowing or the sovereign life, or what does that look like for you? I mean, you've described so much of it already, but is there anything else you want to say about what that means for you now? Mm. Um, yeah, uh, for me
1: to live a knowing life means living in listening to my body, uh-huh. and consulting my body in all decision making. Yeah, And really trusting that the, the images, the sensations, the impulses that my body gives are leading me on the breadcrumb trail to myself.
0: Beautiful. Can you give us some examples um, of what that can look like in a day for you?
1: Yeah, I if I have any spare time which I'm a mom of a toddler so I'm yeah. like that's, that's spare time <laughs> but you know pockets come up um when I have empty space I go inward and I ask from my heart what do you want mm. sounds good what would be delicious what do you need and I sit in stillness with myself until an answer emerges mm-hmm. and if an answer doesn't emerge sometimes I'll just scroll on my phone so you yeah know, I'm not always <laughs> knowing <laughs> You what? But, so I'm not always knowing mm-hmm. but when I can tolerate that the empty of the pause that comes after the asking my body often responds with what I need in that day, which is always shifting, which that's is nice. why I hate prescribed routine. Yeah. It's such a masculine way of being in the world. And for me to live from my feminine knowing means trusting that my energy is shifting every day. My needs are different every day. I don't want to do the same thing every day.
0: Yeah.
1: I have different needs to attend to. And sometimes that's, Sometimes my garden calls to me and I go and weed and sometimes I need to do the dishes and that is an alignment. And sometimes I'm moving and dancing and sometimes I'm reaching out to friends. Um, But I trust that those moving tides of desire are connected to me and that they're really vital to listen to that it's by listening and responding to those desires that I get to be really vibrant in the world because I'm Mm. meeting my needs because I'm listening Mm. so deeply and, and trusting that like the images that come aren't random.
0: Yeah. To me, I don't know if this resonates with you, but the way you described with the way you sit there and you ask that and you follow that is such a beautiful embodiment of following your pleasure of really listening to where that is. Yeah. That's such a radical way of being. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a
1: deeply sensory way Mm -hmm. of approaching life. And what is heavy and stuck is not for us. I, we need to, Really feel into the center of our chest and pay attention to like what makes me feel buoyant, what makes me feel warm, what makes me feel like a balloon lifting up into the air. That's my inner yes. That's what's for me yes. today
0: or in this season. So, is that which? So, if someone's listening right now thinking yes, and how. Do I do that? Is that where you would say to start, or where, what would you say to someone that wants to practice what you just described? Where where should where should they? <laughs> where might they be invited to start? <laughs>
1: I would have someone think of a person or a being that is really easy for them to love,
0: uh-huh.
1: and to call their face into their imagination and allow your face to really like beam in their direction. And as you're meditating on your love for this being, what are you sensing in your body? Where is their warmth? Where is their lightness? Where is their opening? Let yourself imprint this feeling of connection and care. And know that this feeling, that buoyant lightness, that's an inner yes. Mm-hmm. And when we're consulting our day to day, we're looking for an inner yes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's that that inner lightness that um, that we find through love.
0: Yeah,
1: I think love or other beings is our first way of really anchoring that feeling in our body Mm -hmm. because it is subtle. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But the more familiar you can get with that inner lift, the more we can start feeling into the nuance of it and all of the boring, mundane day to day -day of life.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenny, as we look at the, the should, the good girl that takes that takes her mom aside and says, I'm I'm in for, I'm good, I am good, mom. And who feels the beams of approval from their from your community and and then steps into other ways of knowing, other ways of being loss of that favor this all, all this journey that you've just described as you sit here now and you think about that good girl jenny <laughs> what would you want her to know from you now and i'm thinking about the people that are listening that are facing great shoulds maybe for the first one of uh, first times and really looking at the sacrifices that will be made the loss that will be had a life that might be gained, all the, oh, all the messiness and glory of what we're talking about. What would you say to you when you were younger and to, and to them?
1: Um, you are stronger than you can fathom. And you cannot do it alone. Mm -hmm. We can only do it together. You don't have to live with a frantic wondering about who you are and what you want. That is not your inheritance. You can be brave enough to step towards what is scary and find the life on the other side of the fear because there's so much aliveness Mm -hmm. and there's so much love and there's such a big feeling of fullness that's on the other side of the wasteland,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you can't know the glory of it yet, mm-hmm. but it's there.
0: Beautiful, and so may it be. Um, and so may it be. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation, and if you want to find out more about Jenny and her work, you can go to her website, Haven Yoga Seattle. Com. You can also follow her on Instagram at Haven Yoga Seattle. I'll post those links in the show notes, and you can also drop in on her Mellow Flow weekly yoga class at Commune Yoga at nine a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow, and if you want to leave us a five star rating and rate us a review, that would be wonderful too. I want to thank Caitlin Turner for helping me produce this podcast. And I'll look forward to meeting you here next time.